There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It wasn't until I realized you didn't, you couldn't actually see reason, no. you couldn't hear it, that I, I decided, okay, well, I think what you need is reassurance that you're not going to be alone i think at the, at the bottom of it is a fear of being alone so that's what i decided the message should be no longer that it's going to be okay or that you know there's we got to wait until the rich people are actually being affected by this or there will always be humans here in one form or another and etc that we used to go over and over and over with and just told you that it's okay you I'll be with you when it happens if it happens then I'll be there and that seemed to click it was truly the most extraordinary sentence i've heard And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is episode 250 of the show. My goodness. It's a continuation of the book launch episodes of the show. Um, my manager jokingly, my manager Lawrence, she jokingly referred to these episodes as Oshtober. <laughs> it's a whole month of this kind of stuff. Uh, we're still a few months early for that, Lauren, but that's fine. This episode uh, today has been requested for some time. There was a tiny little taste of it with last week's show with Todd Sampson, um, but I'm very grateful to bring it to you today. My guest today is freelance hair and makeup artist and full-time kindest person on the planet, my wife, Audrey Griffin. You can find Audrey online on Instagram. You can find her at Audrey Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-E-N. Let her know you heard her on the show. More about Audrey 
in a moment. If you're new to this whole thing, if you're checking out this podcast because someone said, hey, you should check out this podcast, like, well, here's what it's about. Um, hi, my name is Osher. I'm a TV host from Australia. I'm currently working on a show called The Bachelor. Yeah, the one with the roses in the mansion. And yes, that one. Um, it's a blockbuster at the moment. See what, see what I did there? Hey? Hey, hey, it's Father's Day, so I'm making dad jokes. Um, thank you very much for those that watched that show and helped with that one. Very exciting uh, numbers the other night. But I also make this podcast, among other things. I've made this podcast every Monday for about five years now. Uh, there's 249 other episodes to explore. And more recently, I have written a book. Uh, it's a memoir uh, about the life that I've lived so far and also how I got here with a kind of different brain. But... When I say different, considering the amount of people that have reached out since the book's come out, I mean, probably more the same, actually, as many, many people who listen to this show and have bought the book, because there's a lot of people who are resonating with not only what I've written in the book, but also what I talk about on the show every single week. The book is out now. It's doing super well. Someone sent me a photo the other day of the uh, the in-store at Dimmick's where they do the charts. They kind of rank the books by charts. We're at number three. That's very exciting. We're number three at Dimmick's. Sorry, Audrey's sitting here. She's on my lap, which I'm very excited about um, because she's on the show today. Yes, she's just sitting on my lap. Just keep me comfortable. Uh, com- company. <laughs> so now, now she's back in the face of... You weren't supposed to tell people I was here. The innuendo that can be drawn from this. Carry on, honey. <laughs> keep it clean. I want to say thank you, everybody, so kindly for the support of getting that book out there. And um, it was really nice to be sent photos of people who got given them for Father's Day. That was really, really nice. But the book is on sale everywhere that you do buy books. You can get an audiobook, you can get a hard copy, you can get an ebook. All the links are at osherginsberg.com. Thank you very much to everyone that sent me a photo of them enjoying the book. Someone sent me a photo, like in the same week, I got a photo of my face on the book cover in Central Park in Croatia. And one somewhere in South America somewhere was super exciting. Oh, one in Rarotonga. One in Rarotonga in the Cook Islands, which is so cool. So this podcast, what is this podcast, you might be wondering? Well, this is a conversation that you get to be a part of, and it's a conversation designed specifically to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. That's it. That's all it is. Sometimes this conversation will be a name that you know. You'll see a name and you go, oh, I recognize that person. You'll download it. That's fine. Uh, and sometimes it'll be with someone that you don't know. That's okay. But I guarantee no matter who, who is on the show, no matter which my guest is, who my guest is, you will hear something that you need to hear today. You'll hear something in the next hour and a bit that will help you make today a little bit better than yesterday, help you kind of reflect and go, oh, right. Oh, that, I, can, I can see how that might work. Hmm, let me try and tweak a little thing in my life. And I, that's, that's what the show's here to do, all right? And today, it's, it's all about the nuts and bolts of making today better than yesterday on this show and uh, helping each other make today a little bit better than yesterday. That's, that's also very important. There's a lot of that happening at the Facebook group uh, for this show. If you are interested, there's a lovely community online that is growing by the day. Osha.is slash FB group is where you can find us. Lovely, lovely, lovely to uh, meet so many people from the Facebook group uh, the other night at the live show for the book launch and also in Melbourne for the Melbourne Writers Festival. It was fantastic. I've got to say a massive thanks to everyone that came along to the live show the other week. We had a cracking night. We had 300 people in at Giant Dwarf. It was a total sellout. It was absolutely brilliant. And um, a big thanks to everyone on the Facebook group who's helping me with suggestions as to where to tour the show, because we really are trying to tour it. So just jump online. There's a post there on the Facebook group. Um, I'd love to know, uh, looking for a theatre around about 250, 300, or maybe 400, I don't know. Um, 
something like that, but somewhere that's close to you, somewhere where you've seen a similar show before, somewhere that's easy to get to, hopefully like a walk from a train station or a bus stop or something like that would be really, really helpful because I want to make sure that as many people as possible can come to the gig, but also want to make sure the theatre is as central as possible. Someone very blessedly uh, said, there's a brilliant venue in Gympie. I'm sure there is a brilliant venue in Gympie, but I don't know how many other people can get there. Uh, as much as I'd love to come out to Gympie again because it's great. Um uh, one thing that did come out of the live show the other night was that I got to get up on stage and I got to play again. Um, thankfully, I had the incredibly talented Mike Mills by my side. Anyone that was there, you finally got to see Toe Hider in the flesh. That was me seeing my internet friend Mike for the first time ever. We hadn't, we've worked online together for, I don't know, five, six years since this podcast started. And um, this was the first time that we'd ever met in person. And it was cool as shit. Uh, he's done all my theme music for the show, and every time I've needed music, he's made it for me. And he wrote all the music for the show the other night. I did the lyrics, and he wrote all the music and the melodies and everything. He's a very, very talented man. Played incredible stunt guitar and made magnificent, super, super, super high harmonies over everything. And it was just brilliant to have him on the show. But what I did do by getting up on stage and playing and singing was surprise the pants off my wife and kid and her whole family, actually, because... Well, I knew I could sing and play and pull rock shapes, and uh, Audrey even busted me doing the hair flick, as you know I used to do when I had really, really long hair. They'd never seen me do it. They'd never seen me do it on stage. And if you've read the book, you'll know that all I did for about 15 years of my life was to go on stage and perform and play music. So I just haven't had the chance to do it for the last few years. And the one thing about getting up there and singing and playing again was that, as you'll know, if you and you'll read this in the book, being on stage is my happiest of happy places, particularly playing music on stage. And Audrey, uh, the other night, she said she saw me smile like she's not seen me smile before. Actually, she saw me smile like that on a, um, I was away for work and I was just practicing my guitar and she saw this thing in my eye. She's like, you know, something's going on. You're happier. You're lighter. You're doing this thing that you love and I can see it in your eyes. And it makes sense because playing music is something that I used to find so much happiness in. Now, what I'm getting at, basically, is a concept that was really galvanized in the panel I got to be a part of on Saturday morning at Melbourne Writers Festival. Um, I was speaking to a panel of animal rescuers, full-time animal rescuers, people who have dedicated their lives to rescuing animals about how they care for themselves and how to make sure they fight for another day. And this was a tactic that one of them definitely used to uh, go up against the like, extraordinary resistance to, to her movement um, in, you know, battling animal cruelty. It's also a concept that two-time podcast guest Dr. Brody O'Donnell has talked about on this show before. The idea of putting happiness into your life now by going back and remembering what it was that helped you find happiness in the past. Like remembering, oh yeah, I used to really enjoy that. It might be singing. It might be dancing. It might be playing golf, writing, drawing, sketching, crosswords, something that you used to really enjoy doing and i'm sure now i've mentioned it you're going oh yeah you know what i used to do that heaps and i loved it now bear in mind if you used to enjoy something like vandalism or picking fights at closing time at the pub this might not work out but what i'm talking about is to try to tap into a small piece of what you what made you happy in the past and just kind of begin to explore that again in a small way now like me, for example, I used to enjoy playing music. Does it mean that I have to organize a huge gig and join a band and only play on stage in front of people to pursue this, to find this? No, not at all. 
I can just jam out on my guitar every day, maybe pick a song off the internet, learn the chords that day, just for fun. Don't have to remember it. Just strum some chords for a little while. A quick 15 minutes. That's it. Just to lose myself in something that has brought me happiness in the past, a, a way to bring that happiness back again, that pathway to happiness back into my present. So how's that for a challenge? What do you reckon? You up for it? What was it that's brought you joy in the past? I don't know. Bushwalking, riding a bike, Scrabble. Pick something. Pick something. You've, you've got something. I know you've got something. What have you got, honey? Eating. No, come on. Would it be painting? Would it be sketching? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Eating. <laughs> sketching what you're going to eat? Cooking. Cooking. There you go. Just find a little something and just the tiniest amount of it every day this week. Just do the tiniest amount of it every day this week. Like, let's say 15 minutes. I'll do it too. And we'll see what shifts. We'll see what shifts. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work that into my self-care this week. I'll let you know how I go. I'll do 15 minutes a day, just something to get the brain working in a couple of different directions to help me feel a little more connected to the thing that makes my heart sing. Yes. Yes, like the song. Yes, it's still Father's Day. Yes, I'm making bad dad jokes. Um, I do have to say the other night, singing the big closing number and dedicating it to my wife, yeah, I, I had goosebumps from head to toe on stage and it was just absolutely superb it felt so so wonderful and if you've read the book you'll know that goosebumps to music is a is a, is a relatively new thing again in my life and so to be able to have that from a song that i was playing that was a pretty great moment many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Speaking of Audrey, let me tell you about my guest today. My guest today is my wife, Audrey Griffin. You can find her on Instagram. She's... No, Frankie. Now, dog's involved in the opener. Come on, Frank. Yes, it's a family show, but you don't have to be a part of it, buddy. My guest today is my wife, Audrey Griffin. You can find her on Instagram at Audrey Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-E-N. Long-time listeners of the show will know her through the stories that I tell about her, her occasional pop-ins. Uh, to the podcast when my guests are in the house. Um, and if you read the book, you'll know all about her and you know all about how we met. You'll also know how she's played an enormous role in helping me heal and indeed come back from the edge of sanity and kind of helps keep me here in the good part of, of reality. Last week on the show, you heard me tell Todd Sampson about how Audrey saved my life and today you'll hear her side of the story and truth be told i i learned a thing or two about audrey and that surprised me because we've been together for over four years by now now you might not all be my wife that would be weird but listening to her journey particularly her choice to have a child as a single mother in her early 20s to how she managed to start and maintain a relationship with someone who was clearly quite sick well it's one i'm grateful to help her tell because I know we're not alone in our relationship dynamic. I know that she's not alone in having made that decision about um, keeping a baby, being a single mum. And I know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people listening 
who are the partner of someone who's going through some tricky times or they themselves are going through tricky times and might not have considered their partner's perspective. Either way, I'm very grateful that Audrey found time to do this today. So come now to our kitchen, come sit on the Eames chairs around the park table and uh, enjoy a nice cuppa and a chat with me and my beautiful wife with the Disney princess eyes, Audrey Griffin. Hi, honey. Hey. How you going? I'm good, thanks. This is fun. It's weird. Mm? It's weird. Why? So I'm usually hiding in the bedroom when this happens. Yeah? Mm. What do you normally do when people come over to podcast? Sometimes I go and pretend that I'm going to be doing some work and then I fall asleep. Or I might read something or I play Candy Crush. (laughs) Well, I'm always very grateful that you allow me to bring people into our home. Don't allow you, honey. It's your home too. Well, you know what I mean. Like that you're fine with me bringing strangers into our house. They're mostly vetted by the fact that they've usually published a book or something, so they've usually got something, you know. Well, I'm glad that you allow me to stay in my pyjamas if I wish. <laughs> it's your house too, And mate. that I can just hide in the bedroom sometimes. <laughs> if sometimes I... they don't even realise you're here. Yeah, well, that's because I'm trying to be unobtrusive. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm usually walking in and interrupting conversations. But it's for... Actually, some people really enjoy it when you... Uh... Some people really enjoy it when you you pop in. Actually, can you name these people? But you people can't. Well, you know, when people email in and people oh. on the Twitter and the Instagram, they go, "Oh, I really like that part where Audrey came in and said goodbye on the way to work." Oh, <laughs> well, but it's really nice. cool, you know, because it's it's what it is. Is it is you can never do that in radio, all right? But like that's the bringing people into our home mm. or know. on TV. Just in shot. <laughs> Get the fuck out of shot. <laughs> um, sorry, that's that's a thing that we often hear over comms, which is the radio communication, the very small broadcast radio communication between everyone that's working on a set. So there'll be like 20 receivers and transmitters going into people's ears and they just go, just in shot, which means that you're yeah. standing, a crew member standing in the middle of the frame. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of glorious sunset happening and there's, I don't know, an audio operator or a lighting person just standing there, like, just in shot there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to get out of the way. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really stoked that, that we can do this. This is also really good because it's the first time I can play footsies with a guest, which is nice. Well, first time you don't have to ask permission. <laughs> um. So we should start, you know, yes. people know that you're Fijian, mm-hmm. but tell me about, let's talk about growing up in Fiji and, and where you grew up and what you remember about Fiji at the time. Okay. So I don't know whether it's childhood that makes, you know, mem- childhood memories that make it so uh, glowing and warm, um, but... I think I had a pretty idyllic childhood. Oh, sorry. No, am right. I, am no, I right. talking you're okay right. now? I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Okay. You what? Um, no, I had a pretty pretty awesome childhood in Fiji. Um, we lived in Suva Point, which is, you know, across the road was a park and the beach, and that's where my brother and I grew up. Um, my grandparents lived next door on one side, my 
uncle and aunt lived in an apartment on the other side of us. We used to play down at the beach, ride around on my uncle's tandem over to the um, aeroplane hangar, which wasn't too far away, and learn to ride bikes there. I broke oysters off the off the rocks with my auntie and, you know, we used to, we played in flood water. We had hurricane picnics when there were hurricanes. Um, What's a hurricane picnic? Well, mum, because you'd lose power and it'd be pretty, you know, windy, scary, rainy, that sort of thing. And mum would make us uh, like either warm milk or like a weak tea and we'd sit and have a picnic in the dark so that we wouldn't be scared of the loud noises and the wind and rain and stuff. By a candlelight or a gas lamp or something like that? Yeah, usually a lamp. Mm. Yeah. Not, not really candles. So the place was built of wood, so. You have lots of uncles because your dad's a big family, so you've got yeah. lots of uncles and aunts, don't you? Yeah, dad's one of six, mum's one of three, three, four. Gosh, I can't count. One of four. Yeah. And our extended family is enormous. Yeah, mm. and um, yeah, I've, I've 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 spoken about this, but as I started to date you and got you know then get involved and get in, invited to the family gatherings, I quickly realised there's no way I could remember everybody's name. I think a, we had a small one once, and people counted. Went, yeah, this is minimum twenty three. Yeah, that was the minimum, yeah. and. And I learned very quickly that, oh, I'll just follow what Audrey does, which is call everybody your your age or close cousin. Yeah. Everyone, the next generation, auntie or uncle. Yeah. Even if they're not blood related. Mm-hmm. And everyone above that, there's only a few, so you can usually remember, but it's you're pretty safe with Nana and Papa. Yeah. Or Nana and Pa. <laughs> Nana and Pa. You're pretty yeah. safe, which yeah. is great because I didn't grow up with that. And so I've always, you know, I've. And I say to you every single time we leave one of those gatherings, just how grateful I am mm. to be involved in something, you know, because I can't imagine, you know, the stability and, and safety that that would bring you knowing that there's all these people so close. Yeah. It's really lovely. I'm very lucky. Mm. And, and I remember you telling me, tell me about the oysters. Which auntie was that? Uh, auntie Vanessa. So that's dad's sister. She'd take me down to the rocks, rock wall. How old down, are you? Oh, three, four very young, I remember being quite young, and she'd find another rock, smaller rock, and we'd break the, you know, the softer ocean-facing shell, grab the oyster meat out, kind of give it a swish in the ocean and eat it straight off the rocks then and there. So the ocean-facing shell is softer than the one facing the land? Well, it's thinner, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So I remember we we went for a walk with Will and Marnie, Goodwill, a DJ, and mm-hmm. you showed that you taught their son how to do it right yeah. here in Sydney Harbour. Yep. Look, I don't know whether it was the safest place to be eating oysters, but I think our harbour is pretty clean. <laughs> I don't know if you like one oyster, like four grams of oyster meat one yeah. time once, I think is all right. If you were to eat nothing but those oysters every day yeah, from Sydney be. Harbour, it might not be great. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty special, and, you know, to have – an auntie teach you that at such a young age and have that connection to, you know, the land. Your mum's from a village up in... Uh, Lombasa. V- Vanuale- Vanuolevu. which is... Uh, so, you, what do they say? Kai, oh, what's from the bush? <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's a bad word. <laughs> um, but your mum's from a proper proper village village, right? Well, she her mother is yeah. was born in the village and... 
yeah, mum's mum's from that town. What do you remember about going there as a kid? Oh, just sweet tea and and white bread and butter and playing in the river with all the kids and we'd take, you know, toys or colouring pencils or whatever and um, share. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because it's it's an interesting existence, isn't it? Like, and I noticed that when we were living um, in Fiji, making Bachelor in Paradise. Like, if you live in a village, what do you want? You've everyone you've ever known or is related are related to is right there. Mm-hmm. Food's free, comes out of the ocean, and you grow the rest of it. Yeah. If you don't have a job, or you lose a job, it's okay. You can go and stay there. And yeah, you'll be fed and everything will be fine. It's a really, then you wake up every morning in Fiji. <laughs> it's a really extraordinary existence, you know. It's like, what, what, why would they want? Oh, you've got to get this phone or that shoe or this t-shirt. It's like, well, that exists too. You know, there's especially now in Fiji. I swear their internet is faster than ours. I would agree, and that would be in the village, in Labasa, you know, but, way but, out, kind of in the hills. In the hills, I would agree. Yes. So, you know, you do get exposure to the outside world and there might be some coveting of things, but in the end, if everything fell out from the bottom of your life, you'd still have the support of your family and and relatives to fall back on. Mm. So that's always there. And it's pretty simple existence, but I don't know, they're not called the happiest people on earth for nothing. Yeah. It's because at the very least, everything you need is easily accessed, including family. Yeah, mm. it, I've, I found it. I was really, I found it really special and really touching. I'm like mm. maybe I've got it wrong. <laughs> I think we all have it wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's it can't all be doing that. No, it wouldn't work here. No, it can't. It wouldn't work here, and it wouldn't work with you know. That's a village of what 150 people. Maybe oh, not even. 80. Uh, about, yeah, about 80. Yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to do that in a mm. place like this where there's 4 million people. No. No. It wouldn't work like that. No. But I'm sure villages and that kind of community does exist. Now, certainly um, I did have some exposure to it in Adelaide with the Lithuanians who all kind of bought houses next to each other. Yeah. And and have that you know, ability to support each other. Yeah. Your dad's a surveyor. Mum's yes. a clinical dietitian. Yes. Um, they obviously both worked very hard to get get those degrees. Uh, Dad's technically not a qualified. Sorry, he's not a registered surveyor. Right. So in Australia, he is in Fiji, but not here. Oh, he's retired now. We can, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he he ran the, a business, um, and so his his business partner was the one that was the ultimate you know, was doing the final checks and reports mm. and things and signed it off and Dad was more the operations, day-to-day procedural kind of business guy. Yeah, but mm. a man that loved sailing, loved boats, so boats were always in your childhood? Yeah, that that was, yeah, probably one of the great memories that I've got. My brother and I going out to um, Nukalau, which is like the local weekend island, you know, that everyone goes out to for the day. And on the boat that my dad, his brother and father built. Yeah. Just a little wooden yacht called Vanessa G. It's still out there. <laughs> yeah. How big is it? 
oh, it'd be 20 foot maybe. Still, that's pretty, you know, that you can build a yacht and then sail it off to an island for the weekend. That'd be pretty, that'd be, yeah. that's pretty fun. Yep. So you learned early to duck booms and things. Yes. Yep. Because there was, you, you duck or dive. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. So you were, you were quite young though. You were still, what, you were seven yeah. when you came to Australia. Tell me what was going on in Fiji. For folks that may not remember, what was going on in Fiji at the time that your family had to leave? So 1987 was the first military coup um, where Ramboka and his gang you know, basically overthrew the government at the time. Uh, unfortunately, and, and this is my belief, I don't know whether or not I'm accurate or not, um, there was a lot of racial tension, I think, between the Fijians and the Indians, Indians being blamed for, you know, Fijians' loss of sovereignty and things like that. Um, I don't believe that to be the actual case. Um, I think they were just scapegoats. But my dad, being uh, the Indian Samoan, many mixed, but, you know, tall, lanky, dark, kind of could, and when he was a surveyor, he was, like, black because he was always working outdoors, looked like an Indian man. So it was getting quite dangerous in Suva. And What kind of danger was happening? Oh, just, you know, people being attacked or beat up and, and things like that, robbed, etc. So the people who had made the coup were going, the reason the country's in trouble is those people there. Yeah, yeah. And we will turn a, a blind eye if they get physically harmed or attacked. Well, it was just happening. And, yeah. I mean, Fiji doesn't have the, the resources to control these things. Mm. Like on a, on a widespread level, you can only, I mean, the police can only do so much. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was... It's time to get out. Mum and Dad, I think, I can't remember how it happened exactly, but they took the opportunity and, and left. And we we basically packed packed our things, which wasn't much. Could fit in the back of a box trailer, literally. That's all our stuff that we brought with us and moved to Australia. And who was here? Um, so we had my auntie, my dad's oldest sister, and... One of the other sisters, I think, living here at the time. But we moved. We actually moved in with my auntie Janita and her um, her family, which is such island style. Like you know, how many people in a bedroom? And um, and we lived there for a while, quite a while, which was very generous of them. Um, and then moved into an apartment. It's not uncommon though that how families come to Australia is. You know, one member of the family's here and they go, ah, it's safe, it's great, clean water, mm. everything's fine, mm. get on over here. Yeah. And thankfully we have, you know, there's pathways to, you know, not unlike this podcast, there's pathways once people have kind of been pre-vetted, you know, with one relative has already been vetted, then it's an easier pathway or maybe it was at the time, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was now. at the time. Um, I, you know, I was seven, so I don't remember the yeah. visas applied or whatever. But, yeah, so that's how we got here. Do you remember going to school here? Was it different? Yes, it was weird. Um, unfortunately, my 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 experience is very different to my brother's because I'm, I'd like to say, the white sheep of the family. Right. Um, so I was quite fair so I could get away with, you know, kind of being not, 
targeted or anything like that. But my brother is a lot darker than I am, so he he would cop a fair bit of bullying, um, especially at that time. It was like late eighties, yeah. you know, uh, and we were the most odd looking family. So we'd go to restaurants and people would look at dad, who could maybe pass for Lebanese, and look at mum, who could be Spanish or Filipino, and then look at my brother, who's probably got like more of an Asian, maybe Indonesian or something. Yeah. And then look at me, that's like this white kid. Dark hair, but white. Kind of, there's something else going on there, but... but Mostly white. Yeah. And they'd be like, Has, what's going on here? Yeah, like, put, have put, we stolen these children? Because <laughs> they don't look like you guys. You put the four of you together, it really, it's really, it's like the battle of the dominant gene, which one won that day. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, the Chinese blood is strong. <laughs> yeah. The Chinese blood is strong. That's in all of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Except that. But yeah. that kind of overruled. Yeah. But you, you work, you know, much like... You, your, your parents both very, very clever people, and you, yes. work, you worked quite hard. And you ended up going to a, how, how did you end up at uh, a selective school? Luck. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, I um. I'll be honest. I didn't work very hard. Yeah, I, all the smart people never do. They're just super easy. No, no, it's not super easy. I just, I don't know. I just didn't put. I look back on my schooling and wish I had worked harder. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, I was just sort of happy to skate by on, you know, just give it a go. I did. Yeah. I was, you know, nat- naturally okay at school. And my best friend and I went and sat because, funnily enough, our high school, all girls high school, finished in year 10 and then you had to go on to the, you know, to finish off HSC. Um, and yeah, we both sat it and she got into two schools and I got into Fort Street. So yeah, that's, it was just, it was not something that we studied for or, you know, trained towards. We just went and gave it a shot. Now she was ducks of her school. I was one of the dumb ones in Fort Street. (laughs) So I got a good, good UAI, but technically... I was one of the dumb ones. But I'll take that because I didn't work too hard, you know. (laughs) When you're in a – what does it do for you when you're in that kind of environment of kids who are all just super smart? Um, Oh, gee. I don't know. I found it – it was very different from my previous high school experience. Um, Everyone was – everyone was so diverse and their interests were like – not highbrow or anything like that, but just really varied. And it did open your mind to different ways of thinking and um, that was really cool. Different ratio of immigrant kids? No, there were a lot of – there were heaps of white kids actually. Um, a lot of them were from the local area that had come through from, um, you know, like OC classes and, um, well, yeah, opportunity classes mm. and – you know, kind of funneled through and and supported and yeah. end up in Fort Street. And so I guess when you're in that kind of high school, yeah. looking forward, it's like, well, of course you're going to university. Of course you're going to study further. 
Most most people, yeah, were kind of heading in that direction or into like the creative um, avenues because that was also, quite, I think, quite prevalent from my memory. What God, that was a long time ago. It's twenty years reunion this year. Oh, yeah, twenty years since I go? finished Are you high school. Go? Yeah, it's in November. Are you going to yeah, go? That's the plan. God, real. Yeah. So, what was interesting you? What what sort of things were interested you about uni? Um. I'll be honest, I wasn't necessarily interested in uni itself. I just knew that that was what you did next. Um, So I applied to a bunch of unis, got into UTS doing Bachelor of Science in Biotech Um, because I loved biology, I loved chemistry, Um, but I couldn't really see a career in it. But, you know, it's something that you do. Mm. And then because I didn't get the grades to get straight into business at UTS, I wanted to do a year of that and then maybe add business later on. Now, along the way, I believe you had had a boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And uh, in the middle of your university career, Mm -hmm. you went on a European trip to go and visit a friend who was studying overseas. Yeah. Jen, my bestie. And she was, frankly, she was studying at Tübingen, which is the same university my brother went to. Yeah, small, small world. And he studied overseas. And um, tell me what happened when you were with Jen and on that trip, it was supposed to be, what, a eight-week, ten-week, twelve-week? No, it was a four, we'd planned a a four-and-a-half-month trip around Europe and um, stopping off through San Fran and Hawaii on the way home. Um, Yeah, we literally bought around-the-world tickets and with a, another girlfriend of mine. And um, leading up to it, I'd been like, you know, you're meant to have farewell drinks and all these kinds of things. And I, there I was piking because I wasn't feeling up to having a big boozy night out. I mean, didn't think much of it. And then get to England and I thought, oh, God, this stodgy food is not sitting well with me. And then in Ireland and, I'm like, you know, the smell of bacon and blood sausage and all of that kind of black pudding, sorry. Um, And I was, yeah, just couldn't join in on the pub crawls, which is not like me. Not like like you being a good Fijian to not like the smell of bacon. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or beer. Yeah. Um, And then by the time we got to Germany, everyone's like, okay, let's, you know, go through a process of elimination easiest one to eliminate on our own without going to a doctor is a pregnancy test. So there I am, first day in Jen's, you know, uni flat that she shared with other people. It was, we had a whole bunch of her friends, uni friends coming to join us from, you know, different parts of the world and some from Germany as well. And um, there I am peeing on a stick and I look down and there's a plus but everything's in German, and I'm pretty sure the plus means pregnant. But pulled one of the guys in who spoke German. <laughs> ah, yes, Schwaber. Schwaber? I think that was the word. Pregnant. As in pregnant. Yes. So that's how I found out, and that's how I met Al, who um, is still to this day one of Jen's good friends from uni. But, um, yeah, I found out in German. And then had to go out 
and try not to hurl at the smell of the pizza. Uh, yeah. Hold that thought because I really have to use the bathroom. Let's use the bathroom. I'll be not together. Right. So you're in this doctor's office in Germany. Yeah. You're 22. Yeah. And from what I understand, you had had a termination before. And yes. Had left you quite fucked up. Right. Yeah. And you hadn't really sought support after that. No. Right. What was it that made you choose to keep the baby? I knew that it would change my life and the path. I knew that it would mean sacrifices. Um, I knew that I couldn't go through another termination and come out the other side. Uh, and I also knew that I could do it. And, you know, I, uh, for me, it wasn't going to be the end of my life. It just meant that I was going to be doing something else from what I thought I was going to be doing. And I thought that that would be have a more positive impact than, than negative in the end. The people around you... Your, the close girlfriends near you were being very supportive, from what yeah. I understand, on the phone. Members of your family and that sort of thing were trying to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. You know? I was going to be a single mum with no qualifications. And, um, yeah, I finished high school, but how am I going to look after this kid on your own? And I was choosing to do it from the beginning on my own. So you finished off the European tour? Nope. Uh, well, you had a very quick version of the European tour because you wanted to be home in time for the 12-week scan? Yes, right. yes. I'd, well, I didn't want to be travelling too late. Um, I actually contemplated finishing my European tour, staying in Germany and having her in Germany. Must, you must have been impressed with the healthcare system. I really was and I just thought, you know what, this, this imagine my child being multilingual um, and the support that they provide for, you know, mothers in, in especially, you know, in Germany, places like that, it's impressive. Yeah. It was very alluring. I didn't really have anything to go back to. But then I thought, I don't speak German. I don't have a job here. I've got nowhere to live. I can't bunk and have a baby in my best friend's uni flat. Like that's a bit, that's starting to get a bit ridiculous. That's going to stretch the friendship yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She would have been great, but. Her, uh, her roommates her, maybe not. So. Yeah, her roommates when the child is crying in the middle of the night may not have been so impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back to Australia. Yeah. At this point, the boyfriend is now the ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and your parents, while being, I'm guessing you, you moved in with them, you were staying with them, but at what point did they, I mean, obviously there's, a, you know, any parent who has a kid that gets pregnant unexpectedly is going to have a, a mixed reaction, aren't mm. they? Yeah, of course. I would. Yeah. Let's not bullshit around. I would. I would too. Yeah. For you know, and then you go, okay. Well, get your head around it, and 
how long did it take them to go, okay, well, I guess we're going to do it? Before I even got home. Yeah? Yeah. Um, once I explained, you know, what had happened previously, um, they were like, no, we're, we're going to help you as much as we can, and they have, and they still are. Yeah. That's 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. Far out. I'm so old. <laughs> no, actually, you, you're not, because when when we go to school pick up, you are you are the youngest mum there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel ever so proud. Oh, look at you! What is it? You know, you mentioned that you wanted to keep the baby and have Georgia, yeah, because you knew your life would be better because of it. Yes, I knew it'd be harder. I knew it'd be harder, and it was. It has been. Um, but a million times better than it could have, it would have been if I hadn't had her. Yeah. Yeah. This is great because it's leaf blower day. Yeah. <laughs> I love leaf blower day. It's one of those soothing sounds yeah. you know, that can lull you to sleep. In parts of Los Angeles where I used to live, they outlawed them. They should outlaw them here. <laughs> they're electric i don't mind but it's the two-stroke ones that kind of suck it's all right they'll be over soon uh it's okay we can have this conversation while the sounds of suburbia exist beneath us Mm. (laughs) that's that's fine um so let's you know let's talk about the babies here and you're settling into life as a new Mm mum um at what point do you go all right then well i'm guessing i'm gonna have to like find some independence I'm going to have to work a bit like what was the well it was it was coming up time to choose to go back to uni or not like to re-enroll because I'd put it on um, put it on hold and worked to save up for time off with Georgia and um, when I thought about it I I couldn't quite see how I would make a how I would actually be a mother while um, working in a lab or an office with not very flexible hours, not very accommodating to single mums or mums in general. Um, as exciting as biotech is, you got to be there on the clock. Yeah, yeah, you get to wear a lab coat, but. You know, you're there, let long hours, yeah. Yeah, and you can't just go, oh, I've, I have to go, I've got to go pick up my kid who's sick from daycare mm. or I want to drop her to school or I pick her up or whatever or go to an athletics, athletics carnival. Like I sort of extrapolated those career paths and couldn't see how I'd make it work as a single mum, yeah. So I chose to do something else that I like to do just for fun, um, which was makeup. And did you identify that and see, okay, there's, you know, this many hours, the current rate for this many hours is that, I can manage, you know? Well, yeah, I just saw it as a more flexible um, career and one that I could work Mm -hmm. um, around Georgia more so than in an office. And so you trained up? Yep. What did that look like? Took a year. Um, That was a year to do the diploma. And it was fun. It was great fun. Um, Georgia, I even took Georgia in and she was like, she was a massive hit because she is, she was, she is still gorgeous, but she was such a cute baby. So, you know, I was the, the novel young mum with this 
beautiful blue-eyed. She was my little Snow White. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's Dark cool. Dark hair, blue eyes, chubby cheeks, fat legs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Killed everybody. You've got a thing for, for fat leg babies, don't you? Oh, doesn't everyone? They're like a stack of dumplings with toes at the end. When else can you have rolls and it just be so adored? True. On your legs. Yeah, yeah. When you have leg rolls in your 30s, not so adored. Yeah. When you can barely even, like, close your hands because your fingers are so pudgy. (laughs) So cute. So cute. She didn't have a neck until she was one because her cheeks just sat on her, you know, collarbone. That's brilliant. Yeah. Because she's so elegant now. Mm. Her, her, yeah, I can't even imagine. I've seen photos and it's yeah. super cute. Yes. And I got I really have to thank you because early on in our relationship of the three of us, you blissfully put photos all around of her being cute as a baby. Yeah. Which really helped. It really helped me kind of fast forward into that, you know, she is a bit resistant to you showing up, which is fair enough because it was just you and her. Yeah. It was just you and her. Oh, um, she doesn't like to share. No. Tell me about that because tell me about the decision of just being you and her. Well, I I watched a lot of Oprah in the early days. <laughs> Live your best life, honey. Yes. Um, you get a car. That, and that's not the only reason why. But I didn't want her leave, want to leave her vulnerable um, to people, to to a man just because I don't want to be alone. Um, you know, I would rather her grow up safe, emotionally secure, rather than feeling like I'm dumping her for someone else. I just I just didn't want her to grow up like that, Yeah. Well, you are, you know, you're, you're a woman in your 20s. You have your needs. You just yeah. kind of kept it out of sight. Yeah, and I did have some boyfriends that I introduced her to. And they were, they were great guys, but that was the thing. They had to be people that I would deem to be okay around her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately it was, and she knew that I was, it was you and her. Yep. Till the end. Yeah. <laughs> How did you manage let it? Because she said, "Yes." When I showed up, she, yes, she said the words. I thought he was Mum's gay friend. Yes. <laughs> How did you manage introducing me to the picture? Well, look, can you blame her for thinking that you and Georgia bonded very, very quickly over Broadway musicals? Yeah, we did. Yeah. To the point where you're singing, dancing, jazz handing in the in the lounge room. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't really, she'd never met, like I said last week, or yeah, that the guys that I would normally be with would be not the jazz hand musical singing guys. Men that wore sports shorts for a job. Yes. Yes. You wear pants. <laughs> Mostly chinos. It's yeah. odd for me and it was odd for her. Like, you know, she'd she'd always kind of just considered you different to the other guys, so you must be gay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but her, as I was going to say, like, 
Uh, George's dad is in her life and has yeah. been in her life. You've worked very hard yeah, to make sure George's mm-hmm. dad is in her life. Tell me about that choice. I mean, there was a point where you were living in different cities. Why was it so important for you to make sure that she had a relationship with her father? It's, I think it's important for um, a child to know their father. I think it's important that despite us not being together, that she gets the chance to know him like that to know him as a father. Um, Yeah, I was very, very careful not to let my personal feelings get in the way of her relationship with him. And, you know, we worked pretty hard, especially for the first two years, because, you know, we're dealing with a breakup and a baby, which is odd uh, combination. Um, But it's not uncommon. No, no. But I really wanted her to know him. And, you know, they they have every opportunity to to know each other. And I'm grateful that he also felt the same. And yeah. I think we're better parents apart than we ever could have been together. The the, the relationship that the three of you have, yeah. you, him and, and Georgia, is yes. quite is quite admirable in that he does you know, he does take it very seriously and it's yeah. It's really it's actually really lovely. Yeah, I think so too. It can be confusing for other people. I, I know some people go, this is weird. How does that work? Yeah. Um, but why shouldn't it work? Just I think if you put the child first and the child's needs as, you know, the most important um, in the relationship, then it it has no reason not to work. Just get over yourself and put yourself aside and give your kid a chance to grow up and be okay with um, not living with both parents. That's it. Yeah. Simple as that. That's, I mean, a, that's a decision that I certainly in, in, in my situation, I don't know how, how much my, my folks did that. I definitely remember being uh, feeling that I was being used as somewhat of a and leverage. how did that work out for you? Yeah, shit. Yeah, it's shit. You don't do that to your kids. Yeah. Um, I get that it hurts. It fucking hurt. I was devastated, uh, you know, but in the end it wasn't she's more important. Mm. Full stop. That's it. I, I hurt so bad for so long and then it stopped, you know, and all that time. I could have been hurting and hurting her or I could have just sucked it up and hurt by myself and she'd be okay. And that's that's what I chose to do. It's a it's a def- obviously something you worked hard at. Yeah, we both we both did. You and him both, yeah. Yeah. And and, and all our families. And the know. dividends have really paid off. I think so. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I you know, it's it's actually quite quite lovely in that in our uh, we've had, you know, him and his wife and their kids come and stay with us, yeah, and stay the night at our place. And he stayed here a bunch of times, and yeah. it's it's great. I'm really grateful to to know him, and, and you know, I see the kind of dad he is to her, and the dad he is to his kids, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's good. And but this is, you know, this idea more and more that I look at it, this idea of oh, what's a normal family? Like there is no normal family. No. 
family is is what you make it and it's basically a place of of love and acceptance and however that looks it doesn't matter what the combination is really um in my situation a combination it's a heterosexual combination and then we went our separate ways and we've you know got extended family helping and helping to raise our child mm. and then we've got you know uh, he's got other kids with someone else and they you know they include her in in their family and it's like to me how much love is this kid surrounded by and how lucky is she to have that imagine if i didn't d- choose that for yeah. her imagine if if he didn't choose that for her what would her life look like mm. you know it's I think, and it's easy for me to say, you know, it's all hindsight, it's done, the hard work is done, but she's she's in a much better place than I think if we took a different path, took a vindictive path, a selfish path. Mm. I, I, th- I think a lot of people will listen to that and know, you know, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I've... I've in some time, some ways, I've been the kid in that. Yeah. And you both choosing to put her first has ultimately, it looks like, if that if you keep that as the singular focus, then yeah, that's kind of what you need to come back to. Mm. Even when you go off and you're, like we've had arguments, yeah, we're still human. We have arguments, and we, but in the end, usually we'll walk away think about it, and then come back and go, all right, so how can we work this out? Yeah. Hmm. So do you remember the night we met? You mean at Bachelor? Hmm. It was the daytime, but, yeah, sure, I do. It was day. It was raining. No. Okay, well, I don't remember it then. I was sure it was nighttime. No, I was I wearing arrived. shorts. I wouldn't have been wearing shorts in the rain. I showed up on my bike. Yes. You were so weird. What do you remember? Okay. So I remember waiting with the stylist um, at the time in the, like, the cafeteria kind of area. Well, it was like, it was the garage. Like the, the catering. Ca- yeah, we yeah. had to wait in the garage. Where they had catering tables and stuff. Yeah, basically for them to stop filming so we could scoot across the lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting for, you know, so that we wouldn't be in shot. Mm. And... Um, down you come the driveway in your bright yellow outfit. High vis, high vis. Be seen. Yep, and you you kind of ignored us. It was weird. Um, you kind of just rode around to the other side, got off, and you know you said hey to Amanda, and kind of didn't really say hi to me, and you looked flustered, and like kind of, you know, shuffling around, doing stuff, being distracted. And then it was like you decided in your head because – and I remember this very clearly because I was watching you do this um, while also trying to clean the coffee that I'd managed to pour into my handbag um, at the same time. And I was like, oh, shit, I should go and introduce myself. But you looked very, very busy and a little bit – Distracted, so I thought, oh, it's all right. I'll I'll finish cleaning my handbag out, and then I'll go and say hello. And it was like there was a switch in your head that you decided you'd kind of come over and say, 
introduce yourself and say hello because you sort of stormed right up to me and hello, why am I sure and stuck your hand out and whatnot. Covered in sweat. A little bit jittery. I didn't really think anything of it. And then not long after that, we went down to the makeup room to get you ready. Yeah. That was the first day I met you. Romance. So romantic. <laughs> I was being clumsy and you were being nervous and shy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was. I was mm. very nervous and shy that, yep. first, that first week. Oh, no. It was just that time, just that time that you were nervous and shy. And then you just talked. Yeah. Talk, 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 talk. Lots of questions, loads of questions. We got we got into like stuff really quickly, you know, and and not just you know deep emotional things. I just mean like we talked a lot from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh wow, I've never worked with this guy before, and he's awesome. He's cool to talk to. It's a nice change. Hmm. The uh, the story of me asking you out on a date, mm-hmm. uh, I've told a few times. Yes. Um, and the girl that you asked along going, oh, he might be into you. And you texted me going, I hope you're late blondes because my friend's late. I didn't text you that. I was standing next oh, to you. Oh, that's right. You, you, texted, you were standing next to me saying, I hope you're late blondes because my friend's late. And I said, oh, I'm not, in, I'm not interested in your friend. Did you have any idea that I was interested no. in you? No, because I was, uh, whenever I thought about it, and because she was, she was convinced that you had asked me out on a date, and I said, no, he didn't, because he said to me, would you like to get me, get you some tickets? He didn't say, would you like to come to the show with me? He said, would you like to get me to get you some tickets? And I was like, I kept coming back to that as my argument against, and she was like, no, nah, it's a date, no, nah, it's a date. I had work on earlier that day and I think I changed into shorts but I was literally came from work and I was confused because you were suddenly starting to talk about did you want, you were asking me if I wanted you to drive. I'm like, are we going together? I didn't know this bit but okay, well, I guess you're not that far away. So, right, cool, we're going together and he's going to bring his friend. Great, awesome. Picked you up. Um, and Reuben drove to the Fox Studios and and you had a whole bunch of friends there and I said, awesome, so you go in with your mates and I'll wait here for my girlfriend. And for some reason you shooed them all inside and I went, oh, well, you don't have to wait with me. I'm a big girl and it's still, you know, light. I'll be fine. Um, and you're like, oh, no, I've I tried to um, poor Zalika onto you. And, uh, yeah, you're like, no, I've been trying to ask you out all week. And I went, shit. And there was silence for a while because I was processing that Zalika was right. <laughs> Here I have, am inviting her on a date, which she knew was a date, but I didn't listen to her. My God, I haven't showered. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, then, it, yeah, I was like, okay, right, well, I guess we're on a date now. <laughs> do you remember over the coming weeks, mm. do you remember at what point I started to tell you that I was uh, struggling mentally? You kind of mentioned it um, and not too 
intensely. You did mention it when we were at work, working together. Um, but it was just always something that you talked about. It wasn't, it kind of just expanded more and more on it the more yeah. you got to know me. Yeah. And how, how did that manifest? Like did it, ex- did it explain anything the way I was behaving? Because I, yes. I was pretty weird. Oh, God, you were. But I could see that it was not, that your actions were being driven by something else. Um, it wasn't like you were just an oddball. You were, you were being, yeah, you were being motivated by something I couldn't quite put my finger on. And the more and more you told me, the more and more obvious it became and I could connect the dots. I could see because of this feeling or thought in your head, you were behaving like this. So, Yeah. I was really lucky that you could see that, that you could see the separation between the two things. Well, cause and effect. Well, you have the ability, you have, we joke sometimes that you have the total situational awareness that you really should be. Of a Navy SEAL. A Navy SEAL. You yeah. should be a Navy SEAL or an ASIO agent or something. Or a ninja. Sort of well, how do I know you're not one? Um, you would never know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but that you had the ability to discern the granularity of motivations of a situation so intensely. Yeah. Um, other people might have just gone, oh, he's being weird, I'm out. Mm. But you were able to see, ah, right. Well, because you were kind of in and out of it. It wasn't a permanent state. Um, so I could see these very different versions of you. Um, yeah, I could see it. It's in your face. It's You are not very good at hiding your emotions. A terrible actor. Yes. Uh, so to me it was pretty obvious. Yeah. As I well, can read you like a book, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, as things got, you know, I, I got pretty I – I remember being pretty weird. I was still pretty weird. Yeah. I was, I'd yet to go on to – I was only on one antipsychotic at that point. I was ready. I was yet to go on to the extra one um, when I moved back to Los Angeles. Um, do you remember me talking to you about the the doom and all that kind of stuff? As in with climate change? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I remember you. I remember you saying because it was you know it's it's real, it's happening, um, but your reaction to it was extreme. And I remember whenever we talked about it, I would try to reason, you know, because, you know, it's not something that I disagree with, um, but it's it's not as cataclysmic as, you you know, it's not happening Mm. today or tomorrow. Yeah, I was convinced it was. Yes, and we would, you know, have these intellectual conversations and and talk it out and I would use reason and you would try and come back with something else and back and forth we'd go. And that happened so often. It happened a lot. Um, And it wasn't until I realised you didn't, you couldn't actually see reason. No. You couldn't hear it, that I I decided, okay, well, I think what you need is reassurance that you're not going to be alone. I think at the end of it, at the, at the bottom of it, is a fear of being alone. 
And um, so that's what I decided the message should be. No longer that it's going to be okay or that, you know, there's we've got to wait until the rich people are actually being affected by this or um, humans are resilient animals and there will always be humans here in one form or another and etc. that we used to go over and over and over with and just told you that it's okay, you'll, I'll be with you when it happens. If it happens, then I'll be there. And that seemed to click. It was truly the most extraordinary sentence I've heard because it, I don't know how you found that to be the thing that I needed to hear. But I, you're absolutely right, you know, and it, 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 I was paying some psychologists who been to universities and are paying them a lot of money to find out what it was driving all of that and that you finding it, oh, it's this at the bottom of it, there's a, yeah. a fear of being alone. Um, when you told me that, when you kept reassuring me that. You are distracting me. I'm distracting you? Yes. Sorry. Um, sorry, Audrey's just turning our phones over. When you when you told me that, and I've yeah. you know I've said this, and I've you know wept to Todd Sampson telling him the same thing. It was just extraordinary. Yeah. Did you feel a change in me after you told me that? Um, a little one. I felt a little um, a, a moment of peace. Yes. Yes. You were you were pretty you were pretty messed up when I met you. You, you were pretty scared. Yeah. And I could feel the feel the anxiety, I could feel the pain, I could feel the fear behind so much of your behavior, the things that you used to say. One minute you were trying to connect with me, the next you were shutting yourself off. I remember having to tell you to stop using batch speak on me because it wasn't real, you know, and I could feel it when you were being honest with yourself when you were dealing with me and I could feel it when you were disconnecting. You described it that I would shift from state to state sometimes. Yes, yes. You'd be, you'd put on your rose uh, ceremony persona <laughs> to talk to me sometimes and literally use, you know, it would be like a sound bite from an episode of The Bachelor. And I'm like, ah, you can quit that bullshit. I'm not copying it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not listening to that. Yeah. yeah. Be real. Yeah. I, uh, I went back to America and mm. I was so afraid of everything, including, including allowing you close to me. Yeah. Um, thankfully you fought hard for what we could be and I can't thank you enough for that, that I just kept, I just kept going, well, she believes it and I think she's awesome. So I might just, I remember thinking that I'd have to park whatever fears and worries that I had. I had fought with them all the time and I know I was super sass and super jumpy and super paranoid about letting you anywhere near me. Yeah. Um, that must have been tough. Wanting, yeah. What made you want to stay with a guy that was like freaked out when you looked at him looking at his phone? Um, 
I, I guess I could see your your actual personality, and I really dug it. Yeah, I really liked how you made me feel when you were being you, um, the moments that you were, even when you weren't. Because at the, you know, essentially you're an amazing man, an amazing, you're an amazing boyfriend, even though you forgot to send me a Christmas card our first Christmas. Um, <laughs> but you remembered your Reddit friend, whatever. Uh Secret Santa, honey. It's a really important thing on Reddit. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> no, I don't know that because I, you know, have a life. Um, just joking. No, he's you. Were, you you're you're a great guy, and I could see that, and I could see that what was getting in the way of you and I, you know, sailing off into the sunset together was whatever was going on in your head. It wasn't necessarily what was going on in your heart because you kept coming back and you kept behaving differently to the words you were saying and that was confusing but I could almost see it in your eyes that you're like help me or stay with me or don't give up you know that kind of thing used to used to otherwise I wouldn't have bothered yeah and it was really hard to convince you sometimes that I'm not reading your mind I'm not manipulating you um because you were really paranoid about that from previous experiences you you didn't want you didn't want to be controlled um, even when I wasn't trying to control you you know it was just a lot of reassurance well I'm glad that the percentage of whatever it was that you saw that was worth of staying was higher than whatever else was being repellent because I'm sure that stuff was pretty powerful yes it was but uh, I'm glad I stuck with it because I I think there's even more now of you that I see that's not um, clouded by your fears, etc. Your mental illnesses that I'm lucky enough to have in a partner. Um. At various times in our relationship, I've been on seemingly all the meds I could be on. Yeah. Um, there's heavier treatment protocols than the one I was on, but I was on a lot. Yeah. I was on four different kinds of drugs at one point. Mm-hmm. As I transition, like did you notice, let me ask you, did you notice a difference once I was on all those meds? Um, yes. You almost became... A shell. And it was difficult to, it was actually difficult to read you um, because you became quite emotionless, really sort of uh, not flatlining, um, you know. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. Yeah, kind of, kind of almost unable to move mm. in any direction. Very small, small needle movements for high and low yeah. excitement or sadness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a tough part about it because at the time I was dealing with some pretty epic suicidal ideation. Yeah. And it was really nice to not have to think about that. Yeah. And be troubled by the agony. 
the painful agony that the thoughts were giving me yeah. all fucking day long. Mm. And that's, you know, that's the pay, that's, you know, every drug has a side effect. Yeah. Every drug has a benefit. The benefit was that I wasn't in physical and mental agony all day long and yeah. dealing with, you know, just considering suicide when it got bad every day and trying to work. The side effect is that you and Georgia now had this guy in the house who was just kind of there. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It was tough sometimes. Because mm. it was, um, you know, it's why you're in a relationship, isn't it, to connect. Mm. Um, and sometimes it was really, really hard to connect. And I had to remind myself that this is what you needed to do to get better. Mm. I changed meds. Yep. We, we changed hypothesis and um, we ended up coming off the antipsychotics slowly, slowly, slowly. And then yep. there was that week when I wasn't on them before I started on the yep. um, clomipramine, the OCD meds. Yep. What do you remember about that week? Because you hadn't met me fully untethered yet. No. Um, I'd never known you as you probably would have been when you were Andrew G. Mm. Um, and you were full on. Yeah. You've gone from blips on the radar to really frantic, um, difficult to like easily focused, difficult to break that focus um, emotional, but not not in the sense that you wanted to connect. It was almost like you were pinging around the room. Hmm. You're pretty full on. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I just as you mentioned the blip on the radar, and then I, you know, it's that common trope in war movies where the radar operator hears this horribly loud noise and pulls the headphones off their head. Yeah, yeah. Would that describe it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. that. I, was, I, remember, it, I had to ask you to, because they gave me Valium to take the edge off. I remember having to ask you to hold on to it because yeah. I didn't want to know where it was. Yeah. I still didn't feel like you were actually being yourself either, though. Yeah. Yeah? No. You just seemed, you seemed just as disconnected to yourself then yeah. As you were when you were medicated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, that was gone, probably because I had gone from watching, you know, the test pattern mm. to watching a hundred channels at once. Yeah. And there's no time for anything. No. You can't engage with any of it because you just recognize, 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 see, 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 see. Just, 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 yeah. There's no time to plug in or have a reaction to any of it because it's flicking by so fast. Yeah. Um, what did you notice about when I got onto the clomipramine? Which one was that? That was I, the I'm, when we changed the OCD meds. That was the last right. drugs I was on. Yes. Um, you kind of were a bit more regulated. Yeah. It was easier to reason with you. Um, that seemed to stick a bit better. When you did try and challenge your obsessive thoughts, you know, 
more and more it was sticking. Um, you were able to go out in the sunshine. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, you know? Yeah. We lived by the beach but I couldn't walk outside. Yeah. I couldn't feel the sun on my skin. I remember being when we first started seeing each other and not, like I love the ocean, I love the sun and I love tropical holidays and, you know, that sort of thing and you just wanted to go skiing or you couldn't look at the ocean sometimes when we were driving past and it would send you into this anxiety spiral. Um, I remember those days. I remember when if we walked outside and the sun was shining and you felt warmth on your skin, doesn't matter what time of year it was, you would hit the fear button and it would be intense and it would be hard to talk you back into the room or back into the wherever we were. I'd be gone for hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you would um, retreat within to yourself, like into yourself. Um, And I kind of, I don't know if I did the right thing, but I used to just bully my way back into your space and bring you, try and bring you back because I could see that and this is, you know, I'm a, I'm a makeup artist. I'm not a trained professional. Um, I could see that it was going to be hard for you to come out on your own. I'm bloody grateful you did, because I, I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. Sometimes we can't do things by ourselves. No, it's <laughs> it's like tr- trying to trying to think your way out of shitty thinking is like trying to bite your own teeth. You can't think your way out of a situation that a sick brain's gotten you into with a sick brain. Yeah, it doesn't it just doesn't work. No, but you aren't your sick brain, are you? No. As I, and, and but I wouldn't honestly, if I didn't have you doing that, if I didn't have you, you know, I think of like a Frank, our dog, you know, occasionally he's, especially if it's raining outside, he does not want to go for a walk. He's like, come on, buddy, you got to do it. Occasionally I feel like he had me just yeah. dragging me. It's yeah. Like, come on, come on, just come over here. You'll feel better. Come on, come on, yeah. come on. I'm so grateful you did. I'm so grateful that you did. Yeah. When I was coming down off the meds, I definitely remember I didn't think I was being any different. We dropped the meds about every four to six weeks. Yeah. We came down another tablet or another five milligrams or whatever it was. Um. I remember I, I didn't feel any different, but I remember the, the couple of days immediately following the, the new dosage, it was tough. Yeah. You can be a right ass sometimes. Um, and we found out to what extent, usually on those days. Mm. Yeah. Um, full credit to you, though, Osha, because it's, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't still be what? What is it now? Seven, eight months without medication? Eight? Uh, eight? Yeah. yeah. I, what is it? August is the eighth. Yeah. Month? Nine months? December? December sixth? Right. Was so the day I nearly, got back from paradise? That's right. Nine, nine, nearly nine months off mm. of medication without you approaching it um, from many angles, from every angle. Because the thing is, and again, I'm not a trained professional just a makeup artist. 
Um, yes, you were born with the brain that you were born with. But, and like me, when I didn't deal with my issues with uh, termination, you know, the, the fallout from that, if you don't deal with things that's actually, you know, swirl the feelings that are swirling around and the thoughts in your brain, then you can medicate or not be medicated and they're still going to be there. And until you start dealing with them, they're always going to be there and usually will escalate um, if, you, if you ignore it. And you don't ignore that side. I think you are very brave to work really hard on on opening yourself up to actually dealing with that. And I think you're much closer to to kind of putting those those parts that have affected you um, behind you. I can't be more grateful to you for helping me learn how to human. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's tough for you sometimes. I just don't. I can be super selfish and don't understand <clears throat> so many ways of connecting with people just because I've lived so long without doing it. Yeah. Simple things like, you know, like the other, oh, I, can't, I can't even believe I did it now. When we wrote it, I wrote a birthday card for someone we were going to and I signed it to just my own, own name. Yeah. And he went, there's three of us. You sign all of our names. Yes. You idiot. You selfish prick. And you were right. But I just, just don't, I just had, I don't know how I grew up or whatever. I just don't know how to do that stuff. Yeah. I never thought to do it. Well, I think, you know, sometimes you feel safer alone. Safer, you know. Well, There's isolation this- was a very particularly capable coping strategy for me for a long time. Locking yes. the house and not leaving, uh, that was great because yeah. nothing worried me then. No, nothing worried you. You were just locked in the room with your fear <laughs> yeah. swirling around you. Yeah, and, right. you know, you isolate yourself from people and yeah. uh, and you're still afraid. Mm. Yeah. So to me, I think that is a self-protection thing and that's all great. But you're not going to actually be happy, are you? And you're not going to be okay with yourself if you're alone. Yeah. Who wonder, who, well, geez, are you a professional? Have you done yeah, this I'm before? Pro- yeah, I'm a professional broadcaster apparently. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, yeah. What, did, what did you – I mean, obviously it's not just you and I. No. Obviously it's not just you and I. And there were going to be days when I was being odd and – what did you tell Georgia about those days? What did you tell Georgia about what was going on? Well, you inspired me um, because the reason I wasn't scared off by, you know, our conversations about your state of mind, um, whatever, you know, you were going through on those days was because you were so upfront and honest and matter-of-fact and this is just what's happening and this is how I'm kind of dealing with it. Or I might be a little bit off because of these, because of X, Y, Z, whatever. So that's kind of how I dealt with it with Georgia. And I think if you can make the connection for other people, like say for your child, say, 
I'm not having a great day today. I'm not feeling very good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be a little bit quiet or I kind of just, I don't necessarily want to be alone, but I'm, I might just be in the room or I might just watch TV or I just might go outside today because I don't feel great. And most of the time she'd be like, oh, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And I would explain, you know, these are there's some things that, you know, worry you and sometimes make you act strangely, but you're dealing with it and you'll be okay after a little while. And then she'd be able to go, all right, cool. I will not take it personally when you are, you know, locking yourself in the office to work for 20 hours in a day or when you're a little bit distracted or disconnected. I think it's much easier um, for people to deal with if you're open about it. And even kids, obviously, and in an age-appropriate manner. So let me ask you, Mm -hmm. um, it's not like... I've stopped taking meds. I've put a book out and everything is all right. Oh, no. I still have shit days. Oh, yes. And I still have days where I'm intense. Yeah. I still have days where I'm a prick to you and to Georgia. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. I have days when I'm a prick to you. What do you tell her about... And, and like, how... Because I remember you telling me when I when we were on holidays in Canada, yeah, and I'd just come off meds, and we had to explain to her why I was being kind of weird. Yeah, she kind of really took it in her stride. I really can't, I, I can't thank you enough for raising a kid that just goes, oh, you're all right. Yeah, she's um well, because I I don't like to bullshit her. Um, I feel like she's emotionally mature enough to to understand, and has been for quite a long time. She's she's got quite a high level of emotional maturity and intelligence um, that I think she can get it. She can draw the, you know, connect the dots. Again, cause and effect. Uh, It's easier to compute, to deal with and get on with the day. And sometimes you would just, you know, a punish. And we'd look at each other and go, it's having one of those days. But it's not every day and it's not all day and if we go okay then it's not personal I guess that's it it's it doesn't become a personal thing it's not just because you don't like us or you've stopped loving us I mean your actions again your actions are what I go off of words are only worth so much but your actions are what prove the most to me and the most to Georgia. Yeah. And I think the most to, you know, that's really what everyone sort of should go off of, I think. Mm. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing what you did. Honey, it's... I really can't. No worries. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, babe. Sometimes I had to check in with myself, you know, and go, am I, is this me that's causing this? Um, am I, 
have, did I do something to make this happen? You know, like I've had to, I've had to do a lot of my own work too to be able to keep going because otherwise both of us would be swirling around in this, these depths of darkness, mm. you know. Um, and you, you're very supportive in that regard. Like that's important. Don't you think? I do. Yeah. I'm just bloody lucky I found you. We're lucky we found each other. We're lucky we found each other when we found each other. Because otherwise, I mightn't have been in the headspace to help you and you mightn't have been in the headspace to let me. I'm grateful I did. I'm grateful that I get to wake up every day and be with you every day. Yeah. Be there for you and be there for Georgia every day. Because it, honestly, it's it's that, it's that that makes it all worth it. It's that that makes it. That's you know why I wanted to come back from America. That's why I wanted to do my best to get better. Because I quite happily sit in the house by myself. <laughs> yeah. But it's not fun. No, look at all the adventures we've had. Yeah, mm. and I yet to have. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. No worries, honey. I hope it was helpful. Baby, you're a, you're a smart, beautiful, funny human being, and I love oh, my to you. I love you too, honey. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for trusting me to help you and love you. Thank you for letting me take the time, like being able to see that part of you very much did. But the other part of me was like, Bruh! I'd be busted without that. So you know those words that I say to you that you should just live by? What are they, honey? That I'm always right. And if you do what I tell you to do, everything will be okay. <laughs> just kidding. Done. I am just kidding. Done deal. That's I am. That's the time you're out. Yeah. Love you, honey. Love you. Should we have some lunch? Yeah, let's do it. That was Audrey Griffin. You can find her on Instagram at Audrey, A-U-D-R-E-Y, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-E-N. Thank you so much. I've got to thank you so much for doing this. And uh, a big thank you as well to everyone on Patreon for supporting the show. Podcasts are free to listen to. They're not free to make. If this podcast does bring you any value at all, just patreon.com slash osher. I would ask you to, you know, sling a couple of bucks our way. It really helps us keep the lights on. There's a couple of extra rewards once you, you know, if you throw some extra bucks our way, there's things like Skype calls and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. It'd be really great to get in touch. Patreon.com slash Osher. Thank you, everyone, who's um, helping me figure out how to bring the live show around the country. That's really, really super cool. We're going to do our best to get it on quick as we can. And a massive thank you to Andy Ma, who's worked so hard these past three weeks to help me get these special episodes to air. Rachel Barrett, I have to thank not only for being my show producer for this show, but also the best producer I could possibly ask for for the other night uh, for the live show. She was incredible and operating possibly the most complicated PowerPoint known to man to make sure all the backdrops were working all the right ways and getting all the, all the pictures up in time for the gags. It was good. And, of course, Toe Hider, Mike Mills, for making all the music for this show, but also for being a total rock legend the other night and getting the whole crowd to put their cell phone torches on 
and wave them side to side during the big power ballad when everyone sang along. It was a rock dream come true. So, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thanks to everyone that came to say hi over the last couple of days. Thanks to everyone that's reached out about the book. Um, I'll see you all in Brisbane. I'm there on Friday at the Brisbane Writers Festival. I'm going to see if I can try and organize an event on Friday night, maybe an independent event from the Writers Festival. We'll see what happens. But yeah, if you need me through the week, find me on the Facebook group, osha.is slash FB group, or shoot me an email, email at gmail.com. Until we speak next time, you're awesome, sleep well, and dream of beautiful things. <laughs>